And I'm, I'm reading Genesis, and I'm always in Genesis, because Genesis has got so much, it's got so much substance in it, you know, about how things were in the beginning, in the garden days. And that's what God wants to bring us back into. So we got to understand who we were in the beginning, right? How it was in the beginning. I mean, Adam walked with a dominion mantle, people. A dominion mantle. Not Jurassic Park dominion. This is like dominion. This is like uh, having authority over everything in the natural realm. Over having authority over everything created. I and mean, there is power. The ability to speak to the weather. Hurricane, whoever coming by, just say, and it moves. Shut it down. Just shut the storm down. I mean, that's, that's what we're supposed to be walking in. We are far away from where we should be. Amen. Jesus did it. He, he walked on water. He called fish to a boat. He shut storms down. He had resurrection life on the inside of him, raising people from the dead, healing sicknesses, curing every manner of disease. This is that mantle of life that we need to be living in and operating in. We need to be fully loaded, and it needs to be released through us. And so I'm reading Genesis where God forms Man, the first man from the dust of the ground, and he breathes into him the breath of life, and he becomes a living being. Just like I'm in that dream looking at this substance being formed in front of me. I don't know who it is, and when it opens its eyes, it's my daughter, Paige. Imagine you were dust from the ground, and the breath of life gets breathed into you, and you become a living being. The breath of life has the power to transform dust into living tissue. Nerves, I mean, creating you, the bone structure, everything created because of the breath of life. And that came out of the mouth of God. So every word that proceeds from the mouth of God has the breath of life behind it. <laughs> If the breath of life, you can read it in the book of Ezekiel as well, Ezekiel 37, where there's dry bones in the valley, and God tells um, Isaiah to prophesy to the dead bones for them to live again, something that is absolutely impossible. So when God speaks to you, if you will just meditate on what He said to you, you can actually draw life from His breath that is behind the Word. That life floods you. It fills you with life, but it also has the ability to heal your physical body. You don't need me to lay hands on you. You don't need the gift of healing. You just go meditate on what God said to you and draw life from His words. Because His words are spirit and life. And so we're going to jump into this life series because... Uh, the Lord has just been stirring life in me, eternal life, everlasting life. And Jesus came that we would have life, John 10, 10, and have it more abundantly. He wants us to have this life in overflow. He wants us to have an overflow of the life of God. And so I don't know where this message is going this summer, but we're going to have fun. 
And we're going to discover everything in there because there's a lot of revelation getting ready to pop. Just like reading that scripture and suddenly taken into this thing where I'm seeing God creating man. And this whole thing that I just explained to you, it hit me hard. Right? And then all of a sudden there's trees of life and rivers of life and crowns of life and the key to life and the way, the truth, and the life. And you start reading your Bible. It's full of life. It's a living book. And so I want us to take some time to meditate on this. I want to take some time to press into this. And I want to trust the Lord to unlock abundant life on the inside of us. Hallelujah. So the foundation scripture that we are using is John 10. And we can turn in our Bibles to the book of John. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to read from... We'll read from verse 1. Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. <laughs> and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. Look at somebody and say, I know his voice, and I follow him, and a stranger's voice, I will not follow. And so that's what verse 5 says, they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. I like that. Run from him because you don't know his voice. And those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. He says, I tell you the truth that I am the gate. Everybody say gate. Gate for the sheep. All who come, came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life or life and life more abundantly. Thank you, Lord. So, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus refers to himself as a gate. What do you say, Gate. Jesus is a gate. He is a door. And that means that Jesus isn't the, the final destination. He's just the entry point. Look at somebody and say, Jesus is the entry point. He is the gate. He is the door. Go to John chapter 1, verse 43. If you go a little bit further down, oh, back and then to 43. It says, the next day, this is Jesus getting his disciples. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come and follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew, and Peter's home. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. 
And how do you know about me, Nathanael asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus asked him, you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under a tree? Imagine that. He gets a word of knowledge or something, and he's like, or a vision, I saw you under the tree. He's like, you are the Son of God. You saw me under the tree. That's all it takes to get you jacked up, huh? Excited. That's awesome. And this is what Jesus responds. He says, you will see greater things than this. And then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway. Everybody say stairway between heaven and earth. So Jesus is the door to heaven. Jesus is the access point into the kingdom. He is the gate. He is the door. He's not the final destination. Put the person next to you and tell him Jesus is not the final destination. He is the door. He is the gate. He is the stairway. John 14, 6, Jesus speaking, he says, I am the way. He didn't say, I know the way. He said, I am the way. He says, I am the truth, not I'll show you the truth or I'll tell you about the truth. I am the truth. And he said, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus' purpose, what Jesus is, His purpose was to make the way for us to come to the Father. Right? Jesus is the one that opened the door. He is the way. He has made a way for us to once again come to know our Heavenly Father and to come into relationship with God. And that is the one that Jesus came to show us. He came to show us the Father. In 1 Peter, verses 1 through 3, we read, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus had God as his Father, right? Adam had God as his Father. Look at the person next to you and tell him, God is your Father. You're made in His image. You're made in His likeness. You are children of the Most High God. You have a Father which is in heaven. Even Jesus, when He taught His disciples to pray, He said to them, pray this way, My Father who is in heaven. So Jesus even told the disciples, you have a Father in heaven. Here we read Jesus, you know, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. Put this scripture up there, 1 Peter 1.3. You've got to read this if you don't have a Bible because this gets really loaded here. It says, you have a priceless inheritance. Everybody say priceless. Priceless inheritance. You cannot purchase this. Money cannot buy this. You can't put value on this. You have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Say, your father loves you, 
And because he raised Jesus from the dead, he's given you grace to once again come and lay hold of your inheritance that he has for you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What has he done? He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy, blameless in his presence in love. So God has chosen you. Each and every one of you sitting in here, God has chosen you. He has been gracious to you. He's been merciful to you. He's invited you into his presence that you could come to know him. And Jesus is the door. He is the gate. And he made the way by giving his life and shedding his blood so that we could once again have right relationship with God. Eternal life. Man, this is like a movie. This is like the most epic movie that has ever been made. I don't know why we don't have movies. We've got ridiculous movies out there. This is like the ultimate. This life in God is so exciting. And we're going to experience this life in a whole new way. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 20. Now, this is after man sinned. This is after man disobeyed God. This is after man rebelled and and ate of the fruit that God commanded him not to eat. Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all who would live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So God killed an animal. He put in the blood sacrifice right there and made clothing for them. And then the Lord God said, Look, human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So we would live forever in sin, in rebellion to God. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. Look at somebody and tell them the Garden of Eden is an atmosphere. Say it is heaven. The realms were one. They, man had access to both heaven and earth as a spirit being walking with God. He was clothed in the spirit. He had a spirit suit on. He was clothed in the glory of God. He could walk into the spirit and walk into the natural. You have access to two realms. Look at the person next to you. Say so you have access to the kingdom of God through Christ Jesus and through your physical body and your five senses, you have access to this natural realm. You're made of two substances, spirit and earth. Man, we are cool. Animals don't do this. We get to do this stuff. This is the life in God, right? So he sends them out. He puts them out of the garden. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. Say cherubim. A cherubim is an angelic being that God's the glory of God. 
guardians of the glory instead of guardians of the galaxy. You know what I'm saying? He's got cherubim guarding the way to the tree of life. That proves that the tree of life is not on earth. That proves that the Garden of Eden was not a natural place. It's a spiritual place. Because if it was a place on earth, we would go see the cherubim with the, with the swords. Say, it's not here. He stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Look at the person next to you and tell him there is a tree, the tree of life, that man ate from in the Garden of Eden. And Jesus made the way for you to eat from that tree again. That's exciting. So tell me, how do I get to the tree? That's where we're going. How do I get to this tree of life? I want to eat the fruit from the tree of life. Don't tell me about the fruit and then tell me I can't eat it. That ain't right. According to Ephesians 1.3, God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God is not holding anything back from me. But there are certain things that you have to qualify for, ifs. If you meet the requirements, you get to eat from the tree. You don't meet the requirements, eh, sorry, you stay out. Right? Who wants to eat fruit from the tree of life? Yeah, it's available. Look at the person next to you and say, it's available. It's yummy. It's full of life. <laughs> this one tree has the ability to produce 12 different fruits a year. The same tree, 12 different fruits. So, you know, it's not the same old thing. It's, it's constantly, ah, shamanda. I don't know about this because I haven't actually seen the tree, but I've eaten from this tree, and so have you. Look at the person next to you and say, when you get revelation, you're eating from the tree of life. When you hear the word of the Lord, when God speaks to you, you've eaten from the tree of life. Because the words I speak are spirit and life. So go to the book of Revelation chapter 2. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. Say Jesus. He says, I know the things you do and I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles, but they're not. Boy, they even had them back in that day. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Imagine Jesus saying, i got a problem with you, though. You know, you're good in some areas, but this is one thing. This is one thing that i I got a bone to pick with you, right? Look at the person next to you and say, Jesus... He's got something important to say to you. He says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You've lost your first love. He says, look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. 
And if you don't repent, I will come remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. To everyone. Everybody say everyone. So that includes me. Who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. So there's some things that we need to do to qualify to eat fruit from the tree of life. And that is that we need to keep Jesus as our first love. We need to love Him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. We have to be quick to obey His commandments. We need to love others, and we need to love ourselves. Amen? There is a passion There's this love for God that we have to keep burning. It is very easy for us to uh, be distracted, and it is easy for us to get caught up in the things of the world, and we begin to compromise, and it begins to weaken our love for God and for one another. And I'm telling each and every one of us in this room, we can all step up in this area, including me. There's another level of this, amen? And we can come to church and get so comfortable with church that we, we lose our fire and we lose our passion. We don't care about souls, which is the heartbeat of Jesus. Winning the lost is like the, that's what he died for so that we could once again have access back into the kingdom. He wants everyone to know this good news. He's commanded His disciples. He didn't suggest to His disciples. He commanded them, go into the world and preach this good news to the poor. And I'm telling you, when we are sharing the gospel with people, it keeps us alive. Look at the person next to you and tell them, if you're feeling a little dead, like your lamp's going out, go tell someone the good news of Jesus, and you will come alive very quickly. Be like raging fire on the inside the minute you begin to share the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. And, you know, you share this, all the blessings and all the testimonies, what God has done for you with other people. It reminds you of who God is and you, you flame, you come alive on the inside. You're not here looking at all the problems and the world and the gas prices and all that kind of stuff. You're not being distracted by this realm. You're not concerned about all the issues going on in this realm. The only thing you're concerned about is being about your father's business. I'll do what you want me to do, God. I'll say what you want me to say. I am about my father's business. I'm not caught up in the devil's business. The devil has plans to steal, kill, and destroy. God has plans that you would have life and have it more abundantly. And you can be eating from the fruit, from the tree of life, and All the life that God has for you, you could be eating from the enemy's table and all the plans and all the things that are going on around him. Can I get an amen? So let me tell you, this is, this is, I did a little study on the Nicolaitans. And, you know, obviously this is my name right in a slap in the middle of it. Nicholas. So there's this guy, Nicholas of Antioch. 
he was one of like the deacons or he's one of the disciples that were converted. And Nicholas, uh, the name means a conqueror of the people. And basically, he was in paganism. He was in occultic worship. Then he moved from being in occultic practices to Judaism. Judaism, And then he moved from Judaism to Christianity. And the problem was, he thought it was fine, and he preached that it was fine to uh, have compromise. You can still be in fellowship with the Lord, but have all these other practices going on in your life at the same time. And family, that is mixture. Look at the person next to you and say, that is mixture. God does not want you to, to have this mixture that is going on. There, there are, there's a new age movement happening where, you know, they claim that we can coexist. That all roads lead to God. I'm here to tell you all roads do not lead to God. There's only one road. That is the way, the truth, and the life, and that is Jesus Christ. And so, what happens is we grow up with our moms reading horoscopes and going to fortune tellers and your, your aunt reading you tea leaves and the coffee grains from your cups and tarot reading and cards and your friends do Ouija boards and, you know... You know, you have all these superstitious things with crystals and earth stones and powers and jujus and jumanjis. And, you know, and everybody wants to know the future. Everybody wants to know what God has for me. And sometimes when we are, there's moments of silence from the Lord and you're just walking out the journey and God's not saying anything and you're just... God is checking to see if you're going to just stay faithful and stay on track. Then all of a sudden, we start saying, well, I haven't heard from the Lord in a while. Let me go see what my horoscope has to say. Let me go read the fortune cookie at the Chinese store. Well, I don't like that one. Let me crack another one. It doesn't match what I want for my life today. And family, we have to watch out that we don't slip into mixture. That we don't slip into compromise because what it does is it weakens your faith and then you become a powerless Christian. I feel something breaking in the room right now. That's what I'm telling you right now. I feel the sword of the Lord chopping this thing's head off right now. Because the Lord wants you to eat from the tree of life, but you need to be focused on Him and Him alone. There is no, your eyes are not looking at some other woman. You're not checking out some other guy. No, your eyes are on the Lord and Him alone, right? There is, you're not going to be seduced by the world. You're not going to be seduced by some other spirit that wants to capture your heart. The only thing you're going to focus on is your first love and you're not going to compromise. There's not going to be mixture, I'm going to go to the Lord, and the Lord will direct me. The Lord will speak to me. The Lord will lead me. The Lord will guide me. If I'm not hearing from the Lord, that's fine. I'm going to go to the book, and I'm going to read the law of the Lord and the commands of God, and I'm going to live from what the Lord has said. 
Amen. But just because I haven't had a vision or a revelation in a while doesn't mean I'm going to go and run off the prophets to give me information that I need to hear because I have an itching ear and I need something. Can I get an amen? We are not compromising. We're coming to our first love and we're going to be about his business and we're going to go preach the gospel of the kingdom. We're going to make disciples. And we're going to eat from the tree of life. And I tell you, when you start eating from His presence and experiencing that, and there's an increase coming in this season. I told you guys there was promotion coming. Already from April into May, the Lord was telling me there's promotion coming. There's testing, and those that have proved faithful are about to be promoted. And we are growing into another place in the Lord where we're going to experience His goodness on another level. Amen. And this summer, we're going to start drawing from the life of God. Just lift your hands and say, Lord, I receive it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. This is so good. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. New Living Translation says, You can enter God's kingdom... Only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And the gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult. And only few ever find it. The Amplified says, Enter through the narrow gate, say Jesus. For wide is the gate and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are only few who ever find it. And so family, we have choice to make. The choice is in our, in our hands to make. Wide is the gate, broad is the way, and easy is the road to destruction and eternal loss. It's real easy to go the way of the world and follow the crowd and to be caught up with whatever the next hype is that's going on. It's so easy to be distracted by the things that are going on in the world. And the enemy has got so many carrots that he is putting in front of you to distract you on a daily basis. He's got bait. He wants to catch you. He wants to get you hooked up and reeled into one of his schemes and one of his plans so that he can steal and kill and destroy. He wants to take from your life. And you got to know the traps that he has set for you. And you say, you know what? I'm not falling into that trap again. The last time I got caught in that trap, I got a bloody lip and a black eye. How many times do you have to fall into the same trap over and over again? And you come out the other side beat up. Beat up. I'm tired of being beat up by the enemy. I, I hit my head. A, you know, I've hurt myself a few times. I was dumb five times, but after five times, I figured it out. And I'm not going to get caught up in that trap again. Can I get an amen? How many times do you need to get hit in the head with a brick before we wake up? And there are just some people that you should not hang around. Every time you hang around certain people, it's like all hell breaks loose. Destruction hits. 
You know, you hang around these people and you get frustrated and your life is in turmoil and it's always drama. You got to cut drama people out of your life. You don't need that. Lord have mercy, cut out the drama. Drama is is what you feed on when you're not eating from the tree of life. It's not even fruit. It's trash. Not even junk food. It'll kill you. Immediately. And so, you know, Jesus says, not only do you have to find the road, but you have to walk the road. You have to travel this road. And it's difficult to travel this road because there's so many people that want to pull you onto this other highway. Join me on the highway to destruction. Highway to hell. Look at the person next to you and say, do not get on that road. Don't hop in anybody's car. Don't let anybody take you down that road. Stay on the highway of holiness. Can I get an amen? Stay on the high road. Don't go to the low road. Find the narrow gate. Follow Jesus. Stay in your lane. If it's a narrow road, that's fine. You drive carefully. Don't be in a hurry to pass somebody in front of you. Just take your time and drive the road God has for you and enjoy your life with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Listen, I've been at the traffic light where my mind is on a hundred things that I have to do and I'm stressed out. And then everybody around you irritates you. Everybody's driving too slow. Who knows what I'm talking about? And you're talking to cars in front of you and people beside you and you're just irritated by everything. But when you're in the presence of the Lord, you can come to that same red light and sit there and absorb from the life of God and spend a moment like, whoo, I don't have to keep my eyes on the road. I just close my eyes for a second and lift my hand to Jesus and have another drink. Amen. And now you're, ha, ha, whoo, yes, Lord. What a day. Hi, neighbor. Yeah, a total different person. Same light. But you're just eating from a different place. Mm, Yeah. I feel the atmosphere of heaven just like invading some people right now. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus wants us to experience life and life more abundantly. He wants us to be overflowing with life, eternal life, and everlasting life. But we can only access this life that He has for us if we find the path that leads to life. Travel on that path. But the road is very narrow. It's hard to find. It's a difficult journey. And only few find it. Family, we know this road. We know where it is. And we need to choose. Look at somebody and say, you've got to make the choice every single day that you're going to stay on this road. Proverbs says you've got to mark out a straight path for your feet and not get distracted. He says, don't get pulled to the left or to the right. He says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the springs of life. You've got to guard what's coming into your heart and what's coming out of your heart. Jesus said this. He said, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, lust, adultery. 
It comes up out of the heart. But it's where you put your focus on that's going to determine what springs up out of your heart. As long as your focus is stayed on Him, then what will pop out of your heart is that river of life. But the minute that you shift your focus onto your worries and your concerns and your cares for life, there's another spring that wells up on the inside of you. And that spring only shows you pictures of destruction. You're not going to make it. How bad life is. And when that floods your heart, when that floods your eyes, what happens? Darkness enters your body. And when darkness enters you, it's a world of just weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And you've got to come out of that darkness and you've got to get back on track. And that's why it's important that if we do sin, we don't practice sin, but what happens if you fall into sin? You are quick to repent. You're quick to clean your heart. Because the longer that you keep your heart with this thing in, in place, you're now separating yourself from the life of God. And the longer you go down that road, the darker it gets on the inside. To the point where you sear yourself, you become numb to the things of God, and you actually get an attitude against the church and the things of God. You join into the seed of the scoffer, the mocker, and those that scorn the things of God. And we need to be rooted and grounded, grounded and planted by the tree of life. We don't join in with these people. Amen? We're not part of that tribe. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 through 20. Today, everybody say today. So that means every day. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death. So the choice of what you're eating from and what you're living in is yours. It's not God's choice. It's your choice. He says, I gave you the choice between life and death. I gave you the choice between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. You're never going to go to God and say, God, oh, it was you. No, he's going to say, I got witnesses that will show you that you chose it. Oh, now he's begging you. Oh, that you would choose life. Why? So that you and your descendants might live. And then he tells you how you choose life. Look at the person next to you and say, this is how you choose life. Say, this is the key to your life. Say, you've got to write this down. You've got to meditate on this. You've got to get this on the tablet of your heart. This is the key. You ready? Here's the key, people. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, coming back to your first love, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long. Oh yeah, baby. We will prosper. You will live long in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Woo-wee. Thank you, Jesus. Look at the person next to you and say, this is good. I'll read a couple more scriptures. Psalm 16, 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. 1 John 5, 12 says, 
Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And this one is so powerful. Proverbs 27, 19. As the water reflects your face, so one's life reflects the heart's. 